Think insurance is boring? Think again. Many experts say that insurance is the most powerful industry on the planet. So join us and discover why the Quarters Cast is making insurance super cool. I just want to do a, a little bit of an intro and um, and then you can see how well I did and <laughs> and we'll go from there. Sure, sure. Okay, great. Sounds good. Okay. I have I have a question before sure. you start. Absolutely. Um, what was my question? Oh, okay. So you guys do insurance like I do, but you're interviewing other agents. I'm just curious. Like, are you a FMO <laughs> or something? Yeah, that sounds weird, right? Um, well, I have a project with a, a friend. Uh, we are putting together websites to help uh, individual uh, agents like ourselves um get quotes and and get prospects um and what okay. so we don't really see it as competition because um you know the websites would be marketed to people like ourselves and okay. uh, and so i actually think it's it's a great thing to find out more from somebody like you who is so experienced i'd love your opinion on it so yeah sure Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So this is Lorena Tomasini of Malm Insurance Agent uh, Agency, and you focus on life and health. And you are a mother-daughter team, which I think is awesome. Uh, your mother started as an insurance agent in the 1980s. And, yes. Okay. <laughs> that's that's great. Um, and you became an agent and practiced part time while you were in college. And you've been in business now for 15 years, and which is amazing. And so if, is there anything you want to add to that, Lorena? No, I mean, that that seems pretty accurate. Um, okay. I'm not sure. I don't remember if I wrote that to you or maybe you're getting that from somewhere else. Um, but uh, I think the only thing I would add is that we transitioned from face-to-face uh, to doing everything digitally or virtually over the phone. Right. That's something I noticed about your agency, uh, which I think is remarkable. And I think it's a, a good thing because a lot of agencies are not doing that. So when did you make that tra- transition and how did it go? Um, yeah, I agree. A, a lot of people, you know, they still want to do things, what I would say, quote unquote, the old way, which nothing wrong with that. I think some people are better at selling um, in person than over the phone and vice versa. Um, but I think it's always good to adapt with the times and what the consumer and and how they want to work. Mm-hmm. Right. So when did you start to make that transition then? Uh, we actually did it before 2020, which um, we did it in, in 2016. Uh, we had an office back then. And um, one day I just thought, you know, we're just sitting here in front of our computers talking to people and the same thing we're doing in person, we can do over the phone. So hmm. it, it just, you know, yeah. Okay, that's excellent. So how do you get clients to call? Is it, I know you do a lot of uh, referrals, uh, but also you've got uh, a great website. And so is it just digital marketing like anybody else would do online? Yeah, just like any other sales job, right? Um, at the end of the day, it's talking to enough people to, Present to enough people to then close, right? Depending what you're selling. Sometimes, especially if you're new, you might need uh, more people to talk to, right? Than than somebody that's been doing it a long time. 
Um, but like everything, you know, I think people work with people they know, like, and trust, like they say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, uh, the best way to do that is referrals from your own clients or other professionals, you know, like everything takes time, but eventually you'll, you'll have a, a good stream of people to talk to. Yes. Um, with digital marketing, I know for any business online, it can be very challenging. Do you utilize a mm-hmm. lot of social media or do you pay a, a marketing company to help you with that? Or how does that work for you? So I'm looking into uh, delegating more this year. Um, so I would probably start delegating that this year, uh, the, the marketing, but really it all depends. Like if you want to do Facebook ads or if you want to do blogs or videos or whatever, I think what matters at the end of the day is being consistent and giving information to people, you know? Right, right. Exactly. That's great. So you did mention, I watched uh, an interview you did, um, with uh, Up My Influence and, uh, you mentioned how at certain parts of the year you get very busy. And so uh, can you, and you mentioned that you would get hundreds of policies written within a certain time. So can you take us through the organization that you must have on your end to keep all that straight and keep it flowing without any mistakes? Um, You know, that is, yeah, being very organized. I think in, in this industry, you have to be. Mm-hmm. Um whether you use a CRM or something, right, to keep track of who to call back, um, who whose application you need to do next and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like, you know, everybody says, um, oh, what, what do you do? What's your system? You know, and I think that's something that people will discover on their own with trial and error. Like, what might work for me might not work for somebody else, right? Okay. Um, but I, I would say the most important thing is have, your calendar, be organized with your calendar and have some sort of CRM to keep track of, of everybody. Okay. So do you use, uh, say, Salesforce, which is one of the most popular ones? Um, I don't use Salesforce. Okay. Um, but, and again, that's like everything. Everybody, there's always that debate, oh, what's the best CRM out there? And again, the one you use is going to be the good one because (laughs) you know i i know of other agents who have tried like everything under the sun and they're like oh i don't like this one i don't like that one i'm like okay well you just gotta stick to one for at least you know six months or something to see if if it's good a a good fit you know at the end of the day all crms are just data entry right yeah so that's true find one that you like right Mm -hmm. okay All right. And I know that you have a real focus on uh, business owners and how they can use life insurance. And uh, since I am a fairly new uh, insurance agent myself, I was unfamiliar with really how beneficial life insurance can be while you're still living. How do you present that to a business owner? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, business owners, they're involved in whatever they do, right? Like, I don't know, a carpenter, all they do is go like this with a hammer and, <laughs> and nail stuff in, right? Or, or whatever, whatever their job is, right? They're, right. they're worried about paying their employees and so forth, right. right? So a lot of times they're not thinking about life insurance because they're just busy with, with life and with work. Um, but it's something important for business owners to think about because 
um, if something were to happen to them or if they have a business partner, right? How would that business continue? So life insurance is an affordable way of, of funding that type of business continuation, you know? And as far as reaching out to business owners, it's just like any other consumer, right? So picking up the phone, going on LinkedIn, wherever business owners are, whatever target market you're looking for. Right. Okay. And so how does that conversation start? Do you get a lot of resistance or can you convince them pretty quickly? That I, life- I think in, in insurance, it's like any, like anything you have to create the need, right? Nobody's wakes up today and says, Oh, today's the day I'm going to take that off my to-do list. Right. <laughs> it might, but probably something happened in that person's life that got them thinking about life insurance. You know, maybe somebody passed away in their family or, you know, they heard of a celebrity that passed away and they're like, oh, you know, I've been thinking about getting life insurance and I haven't done it. But usually you as the insurance broker or agent, right, is the person who needs to initiate that conversation, you know? Right. Okay. Um, you also do a lot of work with people who do uh, access uh, uh, the Affordable Care at ACA, but then there's supplemental mm-hmm. insurance that uh, you would sell individually. And so you that seems to be a real busy season for you, uh, if I'm correct about that. And can you sort of take us through that season and how you help people and, and what you offer there? Yeah. So, you know, during the Affordable Care Act season, let's say, which mm-hmm. is open enrollment, really, right? Right. That's from uh, November 1st through January 15th. This it was this year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically a very busy season because it's a time of the year where people can uh, choose a plan or change a plan, right? Or maybe um, keep whatever they have, right? So it's a lot of reviewing. Uh, policies of what people have, or if they don't have a policy, figuring out which would be a good option for them. Um, so it's, it's very busy because it's, it's the only time of the year really when people can do that. Um, outside of that time frame, you know, it would only be because of a special enrollment period, like uh-huh. moving and losing health insurance or getting divorced and losing health insurance, like a life change that made you um, lose health insurance or maybe now eligible for health insurance, like a lot of, um, people that gain immigration status. Mm-hmm. Oh, so in terms of the policy reviews, um, number one, I'm assuming you do that for free. And if so, uh, what do you find is the most, um, uh, the thing that you find most often in a policy review? Did I put that correctly? Um, yeah, that, that's a good question. So I think, um, what was I going to say? Asking questions is really important. Um, and questions that are not yes, yes or no answers, right. but open ended questions. So that way you can really determine what the need of this person is because the consumer themselves aren't going to know that. And us as professionals, that's part of our job, right? Is discovering that. And so depending what you're doing, whether it's life insurance, you might find people who did a policy five years ago and never looked at it again. They don't even know what they have or who their beneficiaries are, right? Um, and the same thing with health, you know, like you find people that they got a plan and they have no idea why they got it, or they just like the name of the company and that's why they got it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's really the best fit for that person. Right. 
So would it, would you, is it safe to say that, um, oftentimes the amount, um, that they get is, uh, they underestimate, um, how much they need and that at, at the end of it, uh, like when they're passing it along, how much, how far the money will go and what they can do with it? Well, that, that could be, yeah. So it could be that they underestimated their, their needs or maybe their needs have changed, right? Maybe five years ago, they were working at a job that paid less than where they are now, financially speaking, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be maybe they have antiquated policies that don't cover like living benefits, right? Like in case of a critical illness or chronic illness, um, they don't have anything in place for that. So, you know, maybe it's time to review that. It could also be the opposite that they're overinsured, which you don't find often, to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that could be the case. Maybe they bought a policy to cover a mortgage and, you know, they paid off that mortgage. So do they really need that right. additional coverage? I always say you always need money. One with inflation, right? As we've seen. Um, if you already have the policy, why not just keep it, right? Because People also have to look at if they're insurable because sometimes they might not be insurable anymore, right? When we're looking at life insurance. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. How often do you get into the cash value aspect of whole life? Because that can be very beneficial for business uh, owners as well as uh, individuals and families. How often do you, uh, how, how do you present that? Yeah, I think with... um everything going on right now financially right a lot of people are worried about the future so it's something that's coming up more because they're looking for a safe place to put their money um i don't believe in marketing it as a as an investment vehicle because at the end of the day it's, it is life insurance so you have to be very conservative i would say in your quotes for uh permanent plans and the cash value and as long as you're doing that, you're giving something that's more accurate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it is cash value is definitely a great way to build, uh, cash value for the future to store it in a place that's safe, right? Because it has certain guarantees. Yeah. Um, and it's something that should be, should be reviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, so are you familiar with the concept of being your own bank and how a life insurance policy can do that? I have heard of that. Yeah. They, they call it infinite banking. Right. Yeah. And so that's a great term, but the consumer needs to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. Right. Not just, oh, I want to be my own bank, right. but not funding it properly or funding it too little. Right. And then being upset that, oh, I don't have enough cash value. Well, you're only putting a hundred dollars a month. That's not going to cut it. Right. Right. So, um, I think it's, it's really understanding like, like everything, you know, making an, an informed decision about that. Right. Okay. Have you written many of those? Those t- have you written many of those types of policies? I don't, I don't, I don't really, uh, like permanent cash value policies. Yes. But I don't believe in, again, it's not in using your words wisely and not, um, being misconstrued, right? Mm-hmm. That it's life insurance is not investments at the end of the day unless you're you're a series six license or something like that then that's a different story right um but it's important that consumers understand that it's life insurance and not really 
a 401k or something like that, that they're doing. Okay. All right. So tell us what was, I always like to ask this, what was your best experience with the client and what was your worst experience with the client? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. Um, hmm. Let's go with uh, my worst experience first. Sure. I had a, a consumer who I was doing a policy review for. Uh, she was my existing client. And I remember telling her, hey, you know, you got this life insurance with me, but you didn't, but you don't have anything in place in case of a critical or chronic illness, like God forbid, cancer or a heart attack, right? Mm-hmm. What What would you do if something like that would happen? So, you know, she's, and so I presented her a solution to, to be able to have money in case something like that would happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's what's commonly known as life insurance with living benefits, right? Yes. That okay. it pays people not only if they pass, but for other things like a critical illness or a chronic illness. Mm-hmm. So she's like, Oh, that sounds great, Lorena, but you know, I already have this life insurance with you. So I don't really need this additional, uh, coverage. I said, okay, you know, there's not much else you can do at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll never forget that she called me a few months later and asked me, hey, Lorena, I bought that policy with you, right? The one that paid me in case of, of cancer or something. And I'm like, no, remember we talked about it, you know, and you told me, no, that you, you didn't need that. Um, but what's going on? Because, you know, if somebody's asking you a question like that, something probably happens. So unfortunately, uh, she had been diagnosed with, with some type of cancer uh, and she needed money to do repairs in her house. Uh, the doctor told her, Hey, if you can get a ramp here or it was something that she needed to do in the house. So, you know, unfortunately she didn't have that policy with me. So there was not much we could do. Um, and you know, she ended up passing, you know, like a year later and she did have that, li- that life insurance with me. So at least her family, did get that death benefit, you know, but um, I, I would say that's like the worst thing that's happened because, you know, it was something um, that could have been prevented, right. I, I would say. And, and it's one thing to sell something, but it's one thing when you see it actually affecting somebody's life. Right. right. Um, and then I would say my best case, right. I think that was the question. Mm-hmm. What, what yeah. was your best case? Um, you know, I would say the first year of the Affordable Care Act back in 2013 for 2014. Um, I'll never forget. I had a, a client who started crying when I told them that, Hey, you're going to pay zero for your health insurance and it's going to cover, you know, your doctors, your medication. If you need to go to the hospital, you know, everything that it covers. And she was like, what do you mean zero? And I'm like, yeah, because of your income, you know, you qualified for, for a zero dollar plan. I'm not saying that's always the best option for people, right? It, it all depends, right? Mm-hmm. But I remember her crying because she told me that she had been working here for like 20, 30 years. And before that, she was never able to afford health insurance and she had some medical conditions. And that was also a barrier for her to get health insurance. So to me, that was a big impact because I remember saying, man, this is really life changing for a lot of people who work and they just can't afford four or $500 a month for health insurance. That that's insane. You know, 
So I, I thought, you know, this is really nice to be able to help people in this way now. Okay, that's excellent. And just on this uh, one last question on the uh, on the ACA, there's been so much controversy around it. But I have heard at times reports like yours where it, it's really helped somebody out. So can you sort of in a nutshell kind of sum up some of the, the, the pros and cons that you see in the ACA? So I can tell you that, unfortunately, this has been politicized and it shouldn't be because this is health insurance at the end of the day. And they're private insurance companies and you're just getting a tax, an advanced premium tax credit of the taxes you're going to file in the following year, right? right. So I think that's a con that it's been politicized. So people sometimes don't even get the correct information or they just hear what they want to hear, Right. I think some pros for the consumers is that, you know, insurance companies now have to accept you no matter what pre-existing condition you might have, whether that's something minor like asthma or high blood pressure or something serious like cancer, right? So people don't realize that if they're healthy, but if you're somebody with health issues, that's a, that's a big issue, right? right? And for things to be covered day one, I think is important. The other pro that I think I see is that there's no longer lifetime caps on what insurance companies can spend. So like before the Affordable Care Act, insurance companies would say, okay, we're going to pay lifetime maximum a million dollars. So if somebody's, you know, dying of cancer in a hospital, they're going to reach that million dollars fairly quickly. And then once they would reach that, they would basically be uninsured. So part of the Affordable Care Act is that it got rid of the lifetime cap. So now there's no lifetime cap. So if that insurance company has to spend $10 million on that cancer patient, well, that's what they have to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one last uh, positive thing I would say is also, of course, the tax credits. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, based on income and family size is how you qualify for those tax credits. So it's not like how people say, oh, if you're not working, oh, if if this and that, you know, no, you need to be here legally and you need to work or depend on somebody that works in order to qualify for that tax credit. You know, the government hasn't gone here crazy giving people money, right? That's not, that's not it. I would say something negative. Um, you know, maybe some people with certain higher incomes don't qualify for a tax credit to help them pay for the insurance. Right. And so insurance has gone up like the premium because now all those things that I mentioned, right? If I have to accept everybody, then I'm taking on a higher risk mm-hmm. in, in my risk pool, right? If we're looking right. at it that way. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, also your insurance has to be less than uh, I believe it's like 9.5 or 8.5% of, of your income. So it's always going to still technically be affordable, right? And most high income net worth individuals probably get insurance through their employer to begin with. Right. So it, it's like everything, right? Um, those that, that don't like it is because they're making maybe a little bit too much income and don't qualify for the tax credit, mm-hmm. but it should still be affordable based on their income. Right. So it sounds like you're kind of an expert in this area on, on that on that policy when it comes to the ACA. Would you consider yourself an expert? I mean, 
I would hope I, I was what I would say a, a pioneer. Like we were looking at the Affordable Care Act, you know, six, seven, eight months before it even started for consumers and really um, trying to get information so that we could inform the public. You know, we, we used to go to like uh, do events and, and talk to people about what this new law is and how it would affect them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once the marketplace opens, we were right there, you know, dealing with all the issues with the website and everything. Mm-hmm. Now it's a lot better. Now it's nothing compared to that first year. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I believe if, if you, you know, if you're in this industry, it's because you like helping people at the end of the day. Yeah. That's excellent, Lorena. That's excellent. So why don't you tell everybody where you're located and, um, how they can get a hold of you? Sure. So I'm here in Miami, Florida. Okay. Um, I also speak Spanish, by the way. Excellent. And um, I'm licensed in Florida, Texas, and Nebraska. All right. That's great. I love it. Uh, and so is there anything uh, else that you want to add? This has been great, by the way. Um, no, I think um, it has been a, a great interview, and I don't have anything else to add. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you, Lorena. And I wish you uh, continued success. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye now. Oh, 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 oh,